Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, March 25th, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serrata, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And writer Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. Okay, so before we get into the coronavirus stuff, let's let's talk about non-coronavirus stuff. Let's talk about some some casting and connections. Let's start first with The Mandalorian season two. We talked last week. I, I had this big scoop that uh, Rosario Dawson is going to be joining season two as fan favorite Ahsoka Tano. And this week we have learned a new bit of casting for season two. Chris, tell us about it. Yes. Michael Bean, who uh, appeared in many James Cameron films. He was in the Terminator. He was in aliens. He was in the abyss. Uh, as well as films like The Rock and Tombstone is joining the cast as, quote, a bounty hunter from the Mandalorian's past. And that's uh, that's all we know for now. We don't know like his character name or how big a role he's going to have. But, uh, yeah, there you have it. Michael Bean, part of The Mandalorian Season 2. Yeah, and this comes from Making Star Wars. This is another scoop that we were working on, and we I, I think – Ben, was it you that was like a month ago called or tried to contact Michael Bean's yes. reps for this? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> ne- never heard back. Uh, no. So ben, ben accidentally called Mr. Bean's reps. That's what happened. <laughs> oh, my God. Talk about how different that would be if he just like pops off a Stormtrooper helmet or something and it's Mr. Bean. That would be amazing. Does um so Michael Bean's involvement? Does you mentioned that he has a long relationship with James Cameron? Does that mean that James Cameron could be one of the directors for season two of The Mandalorian? I doubt it. He's busy. <laughs> he's he's busy making all the Avatar sequels and also in his submarine that he goes in sometimes. Social but, distancing like a champ. Yeah. yeah, but but it does have all that new technology. You'd think you'd want to play with that new technology. He loves the new. Tech. I mean, listen, I I would love if James Cameron directed anything other than an avatar sequel at this point but i i sincerely doubt he's doing an episode but hey you never know uh i'm joking i don't believe in any way that james cameron could be directing an episode of the mandalorian but i think michael bean was he in something from robert rodriguez 
like maybe Planet Terror or something. Yeah, he was in he was in Planet Terror. And we recently learned that Robert Rodriguez, or at least it's been rumored that he is one of the directors of season two of The Mandalorian. So maybe that maybe there's a connection there. Maybe who knows? Hmm. Uh, anyways, okay, uh, let's talk about let's go from the Star Wars universe from the, to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Let's talk about a little fun connection in Black Widow. Uh, ben, tell us about it. Yes. So Ray Winstone, the actor who most people probably know from The Departed, is playing a supporting character in Black Widow. And according to evidently, according to an upcoming issue of Empire magazine, uh, there's a revelation about that character, that that actor's character in this movie. So most of the uh, supporting roles in Black Widow have been sort of kept under lock and key. But evidently, according to this report, uh Ray Winstone is going to be playing a character that has been mentioned before in the MCU. So there's a scene in 2012's The Avengers when uh, Loki is trapped in this glass chamber and Black Widow is interrogating him and trying to get some information out of him. And there's this moment where uh, she tells him that she wants to wipe out the red in her ledger. And that's something that has sort of stuck with the character ever since. That's been like a recurring theme uh, for Black Widow. And Loki in the movie says, can you wipe out that much red? Drakov's daughter, Sao Paulo, the hospital fire, Barton told me everything. So he's like sort of mentioning these these instances in Black Widow's past that uh are evidently so bad that he doesn't think that uh, that she can come back and sort of redeem herself for whatever happened, uh, you know, with these individual moments. So that first one, Drakov's daughter, uh, we don't know exactly what happened there, but evidently this character Ray Winstone uh, is playing is that person, Drakov, who I think is a general and is supposed to be like the leader of the Red Room, which is the uh, Soviet brainwashing facility where Natasha Romanoff received her assassin training. So um, I don't know if Black Widow is going to show what she did to uh, Drakov's daughter, assuming that, she, you know, something horrible happened there. But it seems like Drakov himself is involved and maybe is, you know, out for revenge. I mean, you can, the speculation can run rampant from there, but uh, evidently his character is going to be, um, yeah, like I said, somebody that was, uh, that was briefly mentioned in a movie back in 2012. So I wonder if Joss Whedon could have known when he wrote that line that uh, he was planting a seed for a payoff that might, you know, that would happen like eight years later. That's a pretty cool Easter egg. And uh, I'm excited to see how that plays up. Uh, whenever Black Widow is going to hit theaters, does it still have a release date at this point? They delayed it indefinitely. So we don't know if it's actually coming out later this year or maybe if it's going to be pushed to next year. It's still TBD because of the coronavirus. Yeah. And this is a good segue into what we're going to talk about next. And that is, you know, some of these movies have been delayed and some of them are, have actually been put direct to VOD. One of those is Trolls World Tour. It was given a digital release uh, instead of its theatrical release. And theater owners are angry. Chris, tell us about it. Right. So while many movies uh, are going to digital earlier than expected, uh, only one of them has has is sidestepping theaters entirely. Like, you know, The Hunt and The Invisible Man and Bloodshot and The Way Back and all those other movies, they had theatrical runs, you know, however brief. Like, you know, Bloodshot had a week in theaters before this happened. But one movie that's not even trying theaters is trolls world tour and it this this move is really angering um theater owners uh universal for their part is claiming 
that it's going to theaters and VOD the same exact day, but at, you know, theater owners <laughs> are like, well, no theaters are going to be open. So you're, you're full of shit. Universal is basically what they're saying. Hey, it'll play and, at the five drive-in theaters that are still functioning. Yes. There you go. And, uh, uh, this guy, where is his name at? Let's see. Uh, something John Fithian. He's the chief of the national association of theater owners. Uh, he, he gave a very ominous warning where he said exhibitors will not forget this, which has the same exact energy as that Papa John video where he's like a day of reckoning will come. So theater owners are are not very happy that Universal is 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 sidestepping them because all the other studios actually not only are they not doing this, they've they've like issued decrees where they're like, oh, we value the theatrical experience. and We would never do this. So really, Universal is the only ones. Uh, going out on a limb here and apparently it's going to have dire consequences yeah apparently from what i understand disney is like the the huge holdup on the day and date actually happening like they've kind of refused to to do it all this time so onward even though that wasn't as you mentioned you know that wasn't theaters for what a week maybe maybe two weeks uh that was a little bit of a shock to the industry that 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 was going straight to digital or not straight to digital but uh a week to digital i don't know whatever (laughs) (laughs) but uh we have learned about some other the fates of some other films uh the summer is looking a little uh empty right now chris tell us about it Yes, yeah, so Warner Brothers uh, announced a bunch of, of date shifting. Um, so Wonder Woman 1984 was supposed to come out in June, and now they moved that to August 14th. Uh, that date was originally going to be set for Warner Brothers uh, Malignant, which is the new James Wan horror film, and they've moved that off the schedule indefinitely. Um, other films Warner Brothers pulled for TBA uh, uh, dates, these they don't have dates at all now. Are uh, in the Heights, the Scooby Doo movie Scoob, <laughs> and uh, that's it. Um, interesting enough, there's one film they have yet to to move yet, and that's uh, Christopher Nolan's Tenet, which is still locked into a July 17th release date. And uh, I'm pretty sure that'll move eventually, but for now, that that's that's the only thing they're they're keeping in place for the time being. That that could be the first big release of the summer. Like that could maybe that could signal when like movie theaters are going to reopen. And I mean, I've heard that everything will be miraculously better by Easter. Uh, I think a certain person said that. So uh, I'm sure by July we'll all be fine uh, once once things are magically taken care of by Easter. Oh. <laughs> um, you were being facetious here, Chris. Uh, but ju- yes. July, <laughs> mi- mid-July, I know it's still optimistic, but it's possible, right? I would think I, I don't know, man, <laughs> I get anything is possible. I mean, I would love if things were taken care of by then. But, uh, you know, it's everything is weirdly up in the air right now. We really don't know when the heck things are going to get back to normal. It's also really weird because all these films are getting delayed to further date or TBA when they're going to be released. Aren't we going to have like this big like clog in like the drain of films that like have been pushed like i'm guessing a lot of stuff is going to shuffle to the end of the year and even more stuff is just going to shuffle into 2021 and it's like no matter what happens here the entire film landscape is going to be drastically changed for the next probably like two years i'd say yeah 
Well, before our movie theater shut down, the movie theaters overseas shut down before us, and those Chinese movie theaters have started to reopen. Ben, tell us about that. Yeah, so um, more than 500 cinema screens have reopened in China as uh, life begins to approximate slowly going back to normal for uh, at least the you know Chinese theater owners and things like that. The box office is still not doing very well. Um, you know, 500 theaters being open actually represents less than 5% of all movie theaters that were in commercial operation prior to the outbreak. So it's still a very, very small number of theaters. Uh, and they actually, the entire box office revenue on Friday was less than $2,000. So that's, uh, it, it's not great. Um, but some theaters wait, wait, are wait. reopened. $2,000? Yeah, 2000 uh, And And according to this report, <laughs> two uh, populous coastal regions that border Hong Kong did not sell a single movie ticket, um, even though the theaters were open again. So it's it's clear that people are, uh, you know, a little gun shy, and it's understandably so. Um, but that's only know. that's only like two hundred people, Ben. Like, yeah, it's not that's a lot. Like, certainly, you could fit that many people in one auditorium. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, yeah, so I think that you know that represents um, maybe like a, a sign of things to come for Hollywood once uh, I don't know a decree is is you know especially if if things go along the timeline that Chris was alluding to earlier where things are quote unquote magically fixed by Easter and somehow theaters are like uh, you know ordered to open again I don't think that's going to be like an opening of the floodgate scenario where everybody just suddenly decides okay this is a great idea to go back to a public space where we're going to be sitting next to people and touching surfaces and all of that kind of stuff so I think this is going to be, um, yeah, like I said, sort of a a, uh, a look into Hollywood's possible future. Um, I guess one thing worth mentioning is that uh, the movies that were open in Chinese theaters this past weekend were not like um, a lot of newer films or things that people would like rush out to see. Um, there there were reruns of American movies like uh, Green Book and A Dog's Purpose in theaters, for example, and uh, a Chinese box office record holder called uh, Sheep Without a Shepherd, um, which was a big deal in 2019, was back in theaters. But like I said, it broke records in China already. So like probably presumably a lot of people had already seen it. So maybe part of it was you know, self-preservation. I don't want to go out in, in public right now. And maybe some of it was the, th the movies that are playing in theaters right now are not necessarily something that I'm interested in seeing. So um, that could change soon, though, Peter, if you want me to transition into our next story, because uh, sure. evidently the, uh, the Chinese theaters are planning to re-release some really, really big American movies like Avatar and the Avengers movies and Christopher Nolan's Inception in theaters uh, in an attempt to bring more audiences back to cinemas. And uh, Warner Brothers is actually helping out trying to revive China's box office by um, allowing them to do repertory screenings of the Harry Potter movies, too. So uh, I guess maybe after all of those are in theaters, we'll have a, a little bit more of a better idea of like how... Um, how people are thinking about the theatrical experience right now seems like at least they'll have more options. Um, I wonder if we won't get a really good grasp on how all of this is really going until some newer movies start to come out where people, you know, you can sort of go back to some semblance of normality in terms of like trying to measure people's interest in seeing new things instead of just going back out to a movie theater to see stuff that they've already seen. But uh, yeah, that's the plan right now. I mean, we usually don't cover 
international stuff like this very often. We're usually very domestic in our focus on the site and on the podcast. But I think this is interesting in a variety of ways because this could be showing us a look at our future and what what could be happening here. So I, I'm wondering, do you think when, when our theaters open up, you know, uh, the day after Easter, and <laughs> do you think they're going to be showing Avatar and Avengers? Are we going to do repertory screenings? That's a good question. I would guess that we will, because I, I think, you know, like Chris was saying, the entire, you know, uh, movie going schedule and calendar and all that stuff has been disrupted in, in such a dramatic way that I don't think a, a theater is just going to be like um, nimble enough to be like, OK, let's just sneak a movie that we had put on a shelf and let's just like sneak that in and like, you know, release it immediately kind of thing. I, I think the, um, you know, the bureaucracy and all of that stuff that goes into making decisions like that would not uh, really facilitate a quick move along those lines. So I think it's probably safer to assume that you're going to see some old familiar titles in theaters to try to lure people in. But um, I don't know. What do you think, Peter? I mean, I, th- I think that's probably the case. I'm just wondering, like, you know, here in L.A., we have a lot of, a lot of repertoire uh, theaters showing, like, older films. And uh, in New York, they have that. Too. In b- bigger cities, there's a couple, you know, theaters like that. Uh, and But we, we have, like, the benefit here in L.A. that there's, like, filmmakers coming out and doing Q&As. And there's, I feel like, a reason to go out <laughs> to see these older mm-hmm. movies. But now, and you're seeing them on film sometimes at, like, New Beverly or Arclight or something like that at, or Alamo. Uh, I'm just wondering, like nationwide, if they end up doing this, like, are like people have Avengers already right. on Blu-ray or on streaming or actually on Disney Plus? Do they need to go to the theater? I guess Avatar offers something different because that experience of that 3D on that big screen, I don't think can be replicated even if you have a big screen with 3D at home. Like, if it, it, right? So, uh, what do you think? Like, will people be interested in going to theaters nationwide? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I I think it's I mean, it might be sort of an uphill battle for them because, you know, a lot of the theatrical experience, um, you know, even here in L.A., like you're seeing a lot of those theater, uh, those uh, theatrical events like um, I forget what they're called, but like where people go see cats a million times at the at the uh, Alamo (laughs) Drafthouse. And like it's like this, you know, communal experience where everybody like, you know, dresses up as cats and like goes crazy. And like, you know, there there are um, things like the room and um what's the the classic cult film with tim curry that's in that's playing all in theaters all the time you know what i'm talking about the uh um, oh, the musical Clue? yeah the musical one what is it called oh my god uh, what i not a... think of it right now um what uh, <laughs> i have no idea the, what you're talking about the one of tim curry's most famous roles people who are listening to this are screaming into their podcast devices right now what uh, is, what the name the of that is the uh, rocky, rocky picture show. Yeah. there it is oh um, you know, where people like have like these, uh, these sort of communal theatrical events and that kind of thing is, is what gets people out, you know, in terms of like, um, uh, older titles, I guess, is like having that sense of community. And I don't think that's going to be something that people are going to be eager to jump back into uh, after this. So, um, I think it's going to take a little bit of time before those kinds of screenings are like back at their, you know, the capacity that we're at before all of this started. See, I, I almost feel like I don't have to ask this question, but I'll, I'll ask it anyways. Chris, would you be wowed to go back to theaters for some, like, bigger films that you can't normally see on the big I, screen? I don't know. It depends on 
it really depends on when they open. Like if they're literally opening the day after Easter because President Goofball says they should, I'm going to wait a little longer. But, you know, if it's a few months from now, maybe. I I, I think it will be nice to have that experience again, but I would really rather wait until I'm sure things are back to normal, not just because someone says they are. Yeah. yeah, and and I think you you might be right, Chris. There might I might be like overlooking that as like um, the not, you know having that experience again. Like people might be so um, you know sick of being cooped up in their homes and stuff that they're yearning for a, th- a theatrical experience, even if it is for something that they've already seen before. So maybe um, just the idea of like going back out will let people sort of like take control of their own destiny in a way again and, and make people feel like they're, you know, doing something. Um, so uh, maybe all the, the cooped up teens will, uh, will want to just, you know, fill movie theaters again. So I guess we'll have to see. Yeah. I mean, we're all cooped up. We're at home. We're watching Netflix. We're binging. Uh, that brings us to our next story. Chris, tell us about it. Yes, uh, in in news that will surprise no one, Netflix viewership is up uh, because everyone's stuck at home, so it's just increased uh, significantly. But one thing some people might be wondering is how is this going to affect uh, future programs? Because um, if you're not aware, virtually every live action Netflix show has shut down production right now, so they're they're not like shooting anything and. They've had to put a lot of things on hold. And that includes like, you know, Stranger Things season four. Uh, but according to Netflix, it's not going to affect anything for, uh, a, a, you know, quite a quite a significant amount of time. Um, uh, Netflix says, you know, the way they set things up, we're really not going to notice any sort of problem until probably the end of the year. So. Uh, you know, we shouldn't have too much disruption until, you know, like November or December. So everyone should be OK for the time being. But th- then what do we do in November, December? Then we all read books, Peter. We all turn off our TVs and read books. I mean, we watch Quibi. <laughs> we watch Quibi or there's probably going to be 100 movie movies in the movie theater because all of them are, you know, stuck. <laughs> the bottleneck at this point. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, this is affecting some big TV shows, you know, not on Netflix. Like The Walking Dead, the season finale of The Walking Dead is going to be postponed. Ben, tell us about it. Yeah. So, um, you know, we talked on the podcast not too long ago about how a lot of uh, the network TV shows are probably not going to be able to finish their seasons. And uh, again, surprising nobody, it looks like the, um, you know, the, the cable shows and stuff like that are, are being affected by this as well. Uh, the season 10 finale of The Walking Dead is not going to air as planned. Instead, it's going to be appearing as a special episode later in the year. Um, the current season is now going to end with the 15th episode of season 10, and that's going to air on April 5th. Uh, AMC says current events have unfortunately made it impossible to complete post-production of the walking dead season 10 finale. So, um, they are going to be doing something and, and, you know, maybe, I I think there's been like some hints that like things might happen throughout the year. Like they might be able to release little pieces of bonus content or like behind the scenes videos or something to sort of like, uh, you know, keep the fans interested while everybody sort of waits around for things to resume um but this has also affected supernatural which is on the cw and i think i want to say like 
a couple weeks ago we were talking about Supernatural and I, I thought that the show had already ended, but <laughs> evidently it is still going on. It's in its 15th and final season right now. And um, the showrunner, Andrew Dabb, said uh, a couple days ago, due to the shutdown, this will be our last episode for a while. Um, we have filmed through episode 18. However, our visual effects and sound departments have closed because of the outbreak. So right now the episodes can't be finished. However, we have some special treats coming along the way to help us all get through this. Uh, and yes, we, the CW and Warner Brothers, fully intend to return and finish the series. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So I, I think that puts uh, that should put a lot of Supernatural fans' uh, minds at ease because there was some, you know, I guess speculation that like, oh God, I wonder if they're, they're just going to call it, you know, and, and not be able to finish this um, this series, you know, finale the way that they wanted to because of those same reasons we talked about before, where, like, if production shuts down, it's very, very difficult and pretty expensive to get a show back up and running again. Um, so it, it sounds like everybody involved is committed to, you know, paying that cost to send the show off right. And I think that's the right thing to do, especially for a show that's been on for so long and has such a, a devote, a devoted, a devout, uh, devoted <laughs> fan base. So, um, yeah, I think that's the, those are the two biggest, um, shows that have been delayed in the world of cable, but, um, I, I suspect they will not be the last. Yeah. But supernatural, at least it seems like it's going to be a series of episodes that are going to be delayed. I, I mean, obviously they're filming the finale or whatever, but, um, for the people consuming it, the 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 fans that you mentioned, Ben, uh, <laughs> you know, we're gonna get a chunk of episodes after you know a you know a postponed amount of time. Walking Dead is weird because it's like just one single final episode. It's like that's gonna be like released as a special down the line sometime. Yeah, I I don't know how many episodes were originally like uh intended to be in the 10th season i stopped watching the walking yeah. dead a long long time ago so i don't i'm not familiar with their episode runs but it seems like they're gonna yeah like i said sort of air 15 episodes of however many they had planned it seems like a 16 episode season seems like an odd number to me i don't know if i've really heard of that as a regular thing so maybe there are gonna be um more i don't know i don't know maybe maybe they're uh well, no, that says the current season will now end on April 5th. So I guess I guess they're just going to be able to air everything they have in between now and then, which is not that many weeks from now. So or not that many days from now. So, um, yeah, I guess I guess it is just that one single finale episode that they have left. So maybe they do have 16 episode yeah. seasons. Maybe they, it, they split it, it them does. Up like I, I just looked it up. They've been doing 16 okay. episode seasons for a while. I, I'm just wondering, like, has anything like this ever happened before? I know, you know, we've seen like series like like lost and uh the sopranos split a season into two we've seen like the writer strike had a bunch of like stuff where it like ended kind of abruptly but i don't think we've ever had like where there's like one or two leftover episodes that are going to air later on like that just seems like yeah. such a weird thing to happen yeah, it's I mean, we're living in unprecedented times. So um, I, I think the writer strike has got to be the closest thing where they did shortened seasons for a lot of shows that were on back then. I think Breaking Bad was affected by that um, back then. So, yeah, I think that that's probably the closest uh, parallel, but nothing like this. Yeah. Um, to leave things off, uh, we had one email from a reader. It was Cade and he wanted to ask us. Uh, he asked us, uh, curiosity for the Slash Film staff, what was the last movie that you saw in the theater before quarantine? 
And this is Cade from Iowa. Uh, for me, it was a screening of The Hunt, which is now available on digital. So I guess I sort of blew it on that one. Um, and I saw Mulan right before that. So uh, who knows when people will be able to see that one. But um, Chris, what about you? Mine was Bloodshot. And boy, <laughs> I wish that wasn't the last thing I had seen. That's right. Oh man, a bloodshot! Wow, yeah, and that's now available too, right? Yeah, um, I'm trying to see what when what the last uh, it was either onward or it was no, I, I think I saw the Mulan premiere, the premiere of Mulan. That might have been the last movie I saw in the theater, uh, which you know that's been delayed and that's not coming out anytime soon. So that that that's so I won, I beat you guys with bloodshot and. Uh, <laughs> the other probably mentioned, <laughs> uh, which are now available on uh, on your home TV. Uh, the, the other thing I wanted to mention, we got an email from Alex Robinson. Uh, I asked, how do you become a Razzie member on a previous podcast? And uh, Alex uh, listens to this podcast every day. He's from Wisconsin. Uh, he says he is an active voting member of the Razzies. I am not a filmmaker and usually have not seen any of those films nominated since they generally suck. How did I become a voting member, you ask? I am a big film fan, and every year I go, I like to predict award season nominations on Gold Derby, an online movie, TV, music awards prediction site. One year in 2015 or 2016, I think I predicted the Razzie winners for the heck of it to boost my score on the leaderboards, and somehow I got a 100% score. Probably because they're easily predictable. Uh, the 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 top prize for winning was a lifetime membership to the Golden Raspberry <laughs> Awards, nominating and voting body, and that is how I became a member of the voting committee for the Razzie Awards. And this year, I didn't even vote. Honestly, the emails I get from them to vote and nominate are kind of sketch, and they're always asking for money and donations. So there you have it. Tell that person to cast their vote, but on good or inter- not good movies because it's the Razzies, but at least interesting <laughs> movies. Like, let your voice be heard, sir. At least, like, contribute to this process. If we all have to deal with the fact that the Razzies are still a thing, at least make them interesting for everyone. Yeah, it's. I feel like one one vote in that, uh, you know, barrel of bad apples. It's not gonna. It's not gonna help us then. So. <laughs> it might. It might be the thing that turns the tide. You never know, Peter. Okay, that brings us to the end of today's Slash Film Daily. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast published every day on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to Peter at SlashFilm.com. They could be read on the air, like the two I just read. Uh, please rate and read this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we will see you tomorrow.